You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Evening, everyone. Greg Hectus, Moneybags. I'm here, but I'm not here. And more Moneybags, Kyle Pendigraft. How's it going, everybody? David Hall. I'm the popper. And Tony Groves. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, hey. So on today's show, we'll discuss iRacing making another monster acquisition. The field is set for the 2022 eNASCAR Coke Series, which we will review and we'll check out a sim rig that could be a piece of fine furniture. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or a mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of these great topics and products. We'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals, and they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you actually sit behind the wheel of a car, drive harder, and stand the limit longer. Now, I digress, Kyle. They have a nice packaging. Tell us what else. Uh, they have right the best pedal setup I have ever seen in my life. Uh, this thing is beautiful. All um, aluminum. Actually, it's uh, billet aluminum, if I'm not mistaken here. And the system they got for it is just amazing. Um, easy to use. I mean, it's almost like a, just a plug-and-play uh, the only tuning you gotta do is just to set it to your physical likings. That's it. I was uh, impressed by the pictures you sent us so far. Um, you just got them uh, this week, right? Correct. Speaking of now, let's hit the topics and not new pedals, but we we have a question from Trading Paints about what new cars might be released this year. And uh, Dale uh, dropped a little spoiler, I guess. Dale Earnhardt Jr., the director of iRacing. Yeah, second street stock, he says, Monte Carlo and a proper mini stock four-cylinder oval car for pavement and dirt. So what are we talking about here? Like uh, entry level stock cars? Yeah, something like four cylinders that you could pick up for a couple of grand and run it, run at your local short track. Yeah, so something like a Goodies Dash series type of car. It sounds like fun on short track. You know, short track ovals and you know, little four cylinder mini stock. Yeah, I, I'm digging it. You think it's the same car for pavement and dirt, or is there different for different flavors here? Probably all they would have to change is the, uh, I know dirt, they don't like to have the windshields, right? Um, and other than that, tires. Now, it, it, he said a second street stock Monte Carlo. So I thought 
Am I? I guess I'm confused. What's the first street stock? Camaro. Camaro. Yeah, that's okay. it's a Camaro. Well, that's cool. So he didn't mention the Buick for the '87s, right? Because that was all but confirmed, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean that's been announced, and yeah, but he didn't mention that. Well, this is kind of neat. It's just kind of you know, adding a a little extra flavor to something that doesn't usually get like a whole lot of love. Like everybody's got to everybody's got to do them, but um, once you kind of get out of it, not many tend to go back so it's 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 just kind of neat that they you know, they're not really you know like forgetting about it even though they they don't necessarily have to for you know participation because there's always a ton of rookies right well do the street stocks right now even really have to run a lot of street talks or i mean uh short tracks because i know they get they get to run it like charlotte and right they do do charlotte and you know i'm gonna i'm being old school when i came in you had to run the the legends and it was all these tiny short tracks you never ran when you were at charlotte you ran the legends track and um i would love to see something like the four-cylinder become the rookie car and you have to run it at all the little tracks great idea like i was just thinking that like have it restructure the the ladder program because when you're doing oval i mean you can kind of stay on you know fendered card or open wheel car and so if you're on fender cars make that part of the progression, you know, because right now you're progressing to street stock and, you know, maybe, you know, super late model or late model. And then you move on to, you know, Arca and truck. Right. And then right into NASCAR. I like it. The more the merrier. Right. So I thought I'd just point this out too. Cause I've, it was almost like the first thing I saw on our, on our website with what's posted. Um, it says Dale Jr. posted a response in the replies, and then you go down to, you know, read, and it's read 88 replies. I just thought that was kind of fitting. <laughs> I'm going to go reply right now to, to ruin that. Yeah, I was going to say I must have an old copy because mine's at 87. I must have, I have to update mine. Yeah, Screen, so it's, screenshot it's interesting it to, to see the replies other people have put in, you know, about what they think. How about the uh, college football playoffs? This is a little bit out of our wheelhouse, Brian. Yeah, but uh, it's tied in with eNASCAR because that neat eNASCAR hauler that's been going around to tracks the last uh, couple of races this past season, uh, it made an appearance at the college football playoff, playoff game um, in um, Dallas at the uh, Cotton Bowl. So uh, they had that hauler set up at the Cotton Bowl at AT&T Stadium that's in uh, Dallas. And, uh, yeah, people could, uh, were getting in line to check out uh, the NASCAR stuff and, you know, try some sim racing. Pretty cool. Um, I knew that uh, we've had uh, a guest on, wasn't one of the marbles, uh, Tyler or Jeff, that was did this at one of the tracks that they went out to this year, and they saw, thought it was a really cool. They were really excited about it. Yeah, look at the back of the hauler. It's, a, it's the e-NASCAR hauler, and we've seen this before, like you said, throughout the year. And this is neat to kind of repurpose it. And if you noticed, um, Goodyear has been, it's been rebranded as a Goodyear hauler. Uh, they put up temporary Goodyear banners on the sides of wherever, wherever it said eNASCAR is covered up and it says Goodyear. And uh, Goodyear sponsored the Cotton Bowl. And so um, it's great that, you know, they're, they're great, you know, partners with NASCAR and, you know, we're able to use the eNASCAR hauler to, 
provide more value to these, you know, football fans. And, you know, obviously it grows the NASCAR product and they're using iRacing up there on the stage on all those sims, obviously. So Mike, um, if you're looking at that picture and guys are following along us with us on the uh, site, um, looks like a giant screen above the uh, trailer. Is that who's in the sim right now? What they're, what they're doing? That, yeah, that's, that's one cool. of them. You broadcast it to a lot of people. That's a big screen on top of that hauler. I believe there's three rigs up there, big ones, um, and that's the middle one, whoever's on the middle one. That's pretty cool. And it's a really cool uh, way for, um, you know, sim racing, eNASCAR, all those uh, proprietary entities to, to branch out to different different uh, venues that, um, you know, to expose more people to, to what we do here. Um, so yeah, kudos for them for, for taking that on the road and, you know, and, and expanding their uh, horizons to, to different audiences that might not have seen this kind of stuff before. All right. Next up, a uh, update on a car that's already been promised to I in I racing the 2022 Mercedes W 13 F one car, Brad, Philpot posted on Twitter pictures uh, of or a render um, that the render was based on an F1 mock-up, but the car. Okay, let me back up. I kind of misspoke. So earlier, when they announced the W13 on social media, they thought that the video that was shown was a render based on an, on the F1 mock-up, but it turns out the car has actually been built. And he shows three pictures of a black F1 car that apparently is the W13. Um, so you can get a good look at the, the front wing and basically the larger tires and all the different things. I, Greg, tell me what's different here. I'd probably ask Dave about that. He's, he's good. Greg's gone. Oh, Greg has turned into a cactus. So what's different on the car compared to an old car? Well, compared I don't know to this that year's one. car is what I was trying to get at. This is the 2022 model, and we just got the 2021 model. So I'm trying to figure out what's different. I wouldn't be able to tell you. I don't really follow the F1 quite so much. Yeah, I don't It either. looks like they, the pictures pay a lot of attention to the nose cone. So maybe there's some variations in the, in the, in the wings on the nose cone. Um, that's it does look different, yeah. Than this current, yeah. The nose cone's different, and I know the tires are bigger. So, looks like they got saran wrap on the tires. Maybe that's it. <laughs> so it's got eighteen-inch wheels now, right? Isn't that what they they were saying in here? Now the second link uh, was Essential Motorsports, or excuse me, EssentiallySports.com, and they had an article about this. And these were leaked uh, images um, hours after the Mercedes New Year special. And so I, when I saw this article, I was a little concerned. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, iRacing has photos. They have information. I hope it wasn't leaked via that way, you know, and ruined the relationship. But the photos came from somewhere, you know. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. When's this season start up in about another two months? Is that right? Can't hide it for too much longer. Got to get, get some track time somewhere. Yeah, if you're, especially if it's being tested on a track, somebody's somebody's going to get catch wind of it and kind of pop your right the car, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I think we know our answer to this question, but it was asked by iRacing. Um, who's your favorite content creator in sim racing? It was a post in their Facebook group. And suddenly I started getting notifications as person, one person after another just started popping uh, 
iRacing onto the replies. iRacers Lounge, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Right. And so it actually is, who's your favorite content creators in sim racing and motorsports? So there were some motorsports mentions, you know, that weren't specific to sim racing, but most people were, their answers were specific to sim racing. Yeah, that's, well, it was an iRacing post, so you would think that would favor the uh, sim racers. Um, so how about I ask you guys, um, besides the obvious, our show, what would be your favorite um, sim racing? We'll stick with sim racing for this uh, question. What's your favorite sim racing content creators out there? Uh, I got to go with myself. I have on TV. <laughs> there you go. Well, come on. <laughs> I had to. I mean, you'll do a wide open for it. Um, I did see a lot of Blair Patterson on there. So, and that's a good buddy of mine. So I got to give him a shout out for that as well. So I want to say, you know, our buddy, Dwayne MacArthur shouted out the aftermath. So Tony, you guys got mentioned. We got a mention. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But honestly, um, as I went through the list, I think the most mentioned one that I saw visually, Nibon 5. I and uh, Dave Cam, obviously. That's a good one, yeah. Uh, I'm surprised uh, Jimmy Broadbent would be on there. He's a, he's a pretty popular con- content creator type of guy. But not recently. I mean, he, not, he has been doing kind of moved to real racing a little bit, and he hasn't been doing as much sim. I don't know. He was, I'm going to go with Sim Racing Garage. That's a good one, too. That's always good. Um, I think one of my favorites to watch now is uh, Boosted Media, uh, Will Ford, Will Ford's YouTube channel. He's always got good reviews. He has uh, races on there. And it's always really cool to watch him in his rig because it looks like he's in a real car. You can't tell the difference. Agreed with Boosted Media for sure. I, I, he's definitely one of my go-tos right now. Yeah, I tend to like watching reviews more than watching other people race. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Dave. I like reviews and uh, and people just going over different hardware. That's always really cool to see. S- stuff that they get their hands on that, that you might not be able to get to try. And Barry's always great at Sim Racing Garage if you really want to get deep into hardware because he, he breaks it down to such an extent that you know he d- leaves no, no stone unturned when he reviews his stuff. Well, obviously... Um we are all honored that our listeners stepped up and mentioned the iRacers Lounge podcast because uh, we have been a source of uh, entertainment, hopefully, and news uh, for quite some time. So um, I was, like David, very happy to see the notifications rolling in uh, of people acknowledging, you know, that we are um, some favorites out there as far as content creators. This is great content. We're, you know, we're, we're basically talking about what's going on. Well, one of the things that is going on is that the 2022 ENAS, yeah, the 2022 ENAS car Coca-Cola roster is set, right? Yeah. So um, last week we covered the uh, final uh, contenders series race um, and the results of the, uh, of the winner of that, but we didn't have the whole list of, um, of all the new entries, but uh, iRacing has announced the entire list of who's going to be running next year in the Coca-Cola series. Um, so, uh, so obviously, if the, all the top 20 drivers from last year in points are all back, and then they took the next 21 in the Contender series, and that's because somebody pulled out, right? Now, so it's it 19 of the top 20, um, actually, uh, moved on. Okay, because in the 
qualifying status, it's either top 20 from the Coke series before, or it says top 21 in the 21 contender series. But, so, uh, we, but the top 20 from Coke, only 19 are coming. Because somebody retired. Yeah, who who was it that retired? It was uh, was it was it Chandler this year or somebody else? No, somebody else. They they just they, I forget talk, the name. We talked about it they, because they, they right. stopped in the middle of the season, right? Yeah, we talked about him because he was uh he was just uh didn't have the time to put into it that he that he uh, needed to. No, there was a couple of them. David David's talking about the guy who was finishing fortieth, but this guy was going to make the top twenty, and he still isn't going to do it. Anyway, okay. I, I'm sorry I don't have the name, but yeah, only 19 of the 20. I just wanted to clarify that. So it looks yeah, like um, we, we actually sorry, ahead, we actually saw one of the new uh, entries, Blade Wit, last night in the Winter Series race and win it. In fact, he, he was <laughs> did he win it? Yeah, he, he beat out Garrett, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he, he beat, beat out Garrett, Garrett Mains for that preview for the 2022 season, eh? Yeah. So um, it looks like uh, there's going to be nine different rookies this year. So that's a uh, pretty cool. Um, and we talked about one of them who was uh, from Elliot Sadler's uh, uh, esports. Um, uh, that was Liam Brotherton. Uh, we also got um, we have a returning uh, Mitchell DeYoung. So um, apparently, whatever is going down in the Porsche Super Cup did not, you know, did not affect the Coke Series race, which is good because he was a he was a fun guy to watch last year. Well, I think we uh, I figured out where those guys are racing. They're racing over at that other um, game. That we'll be talking about here at length here shortly. They had, did have four drivers that uh, made their way back from after running, after failing to make it back into the 2022 or the 2020 season. And we had uh, eight drivers who were relegated back back to contender, but still made their way back in for the uh, 2022 season. I'm going to read off the rookie names just because, I mean, these guys made it, man, and they're new. And so they're, they're going to be fun to watch. It's going to be probably, I'm guessing Evan would say the best rookie, uh, you know, contender season of the year as these rookies come in. I mean, there's a bunch of them and they're really good. So uh, Dylan Alt, uh, Colin Bowden, Liam Brotherton, Caden Honeycutt, Briar LaPrade, Brian Mercurio, Kyle Petal, Parker Retzlaff, and Donovan Strauss. And Donovan ended up on, I think, at Elliott Esports, I heard. Yeah, I guess uh, we'll st- probably start hearing some of the um, hires, you know, for the uh, teams this year, coming up pretty soon, I would think, right? Right. When they, all, um, when they all start get picked up by the teams. There was some question if the Coke drivers were going to be summoned to Charlotte, you know, for photos and stuff. And it appears they're not going to be meeting up, is what I heard. Was that a... A pandemic thing, or didn't want to do it again. It's unknown, but uh, they're not going to be meeting up. Yeah, I remember last year when they did that. Wasn't there a little some ruffled feathers with some real drivers? I don't know if it was uh, uh, cup drivers, but some of the lower series drivers that were kind of had their feathers ruffled because they were making such a big deal about these um, sim racers. Right. Like, why do these guys get to go to NASCAR or Charlotte? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they're not going, but I hope it's nothing like that. I hope it's just a issue with the uh, pandemic. Who knows? All right, let's jump to the big story uh, this week. I racing uh, surprises us again by buying a company called Monster Games, and they put out an announcement. Um, 
And I'm going to kind of read part of this, but Monster Games uh, has been acquired by iRacing. They're a Minnesota-based game development studio with a long history of racing game development, including the NASCAR Heat franchise and more recently the Tony Stewart Sprint Car Racing Game. This acquisition brings another level of expertise under the iRacing roof and furthers the company's ability to bring the highest quality racing games to the broader market, including the console space. The previous acquisition announced was Arantes Games, and so this is the second company in as many weeks that they have purchased. I did get a chance to give the video, this video that we have linked, a, a watch, and essentially his going theory with with their acquisitions is they're trying to make sure essentially that the EA Games catastrophe doesn't happen again, where EA comes in and came in and basically ran out all the competition and then ruined the game. Okay. And you're talking about a company called Motorsports Games and they the ones who have R Factor right now and they're running the one that has a twenty four hour Lamar license. And I think that's where um, Team Redline is racing right now in the their road series. But I'm gonna read a quote from that uh, the author of that video who's Nibon five and he quoted in the forum, and, and this is kind of a summary of his video that he put out about it. And I'm going to read this part. It says, I was getting very worried about motorsports games buying up everything possible in the market. They appeared to be just about trying to capitalize on something without caring about the actual product. Another EA type situation we all went through in the early 2000s. Good to see iRacing start to protect the sector. We all know that passion iRacing and Papyrus has had for making racing games over the last 30 years, so it's great to see them dip their feet back into console gaming and do more than just iRacing to fight this growing mess that is motorsports games, especially since EA ate up the F1 license. Well, there's a couple of real interesting points in there. Um, so David made the point earlier that was, um, that was a really solid point that, you know, iRacing doesn't want to have all these uh, licenses pulled out from uh, under them from other uh, gaming companies so they're trying to lock it in a little bit better than they might have been able to back in the day of papyrus where they might not have had the funding to do something like that um so that's a that's a good sign that they're you know that they're you know obviously in it for the long haul and they they want to keep their licenses as viable as possible to the consumers it says the iRacing, now back to the announcement, the iRacing development team will remain 100% focused on continuing to develop the core product of iRacing, okay? We are at a point as a company that we are comfortable building out these two new teams to explore the broader racing game market to ultimately funnel serious sim racers to our flagship product, iRacing, on the PC. So this is w more about we're we need a feeder system. You know, we were talking about a feeder system just a minute ago, but they need a feeder system for sim racers. You know, like all of us, we're aging. Who's going to replace us? You know, they need to get those people hooked on these racing games on console. I mean, that's why we're in iRacing because we got hooked on those console games early. And so what console games do they have now? They have crap. So, um, and so this is protecting the long-term future of iRacing by building that feeder system of customers. And that's exactly what 
what was brought up in that video too is that you, you're probably not going to get many seven and eight year olds getting into eye racing. It's just a little bit too too involved, right? Uh, uh, Brian's son is just now getting into it, and he's a pre just preteen or is he teen yet? He's preteen. Okay, uh, but generally they're going to be more. It it's going to be better for them to get into something along the lines of camp of a console for one thing for just for the price, right? That's going to be a smaller in. Smaller involvement, less complicated, something they, they don't necessarily have to have a bunch of other, they don't have to go always necessarily into a race lobby to participate. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, I didn't start with iRacing. I started with, um, I don't remember, it was a PC game from, from a long time ago. And I ran one of the, you know, I had one of the cheapest uh, steering wheels with no force feedback that you could get back then. I don't even remember what it was, but. Yeah, that's where you started, and then eventually you discover something like R Factor. Then I Racing comes out, and uh, so it's it's definitely makes a lot more sense that they're going this route. Now, motorsports games they did the very last NASCAR console game. I think that didn't go over very well. Not too bad. But um, just to clarify, this this has nothing to do with bringing I Racing to consoles. Uh, right. Not, nothing from my that I've seen means that this means iRacing is coming to console. I think it's just a different way of them reaching more customers and uh, cultivating cultivating the uh, the lifestyle, basically. Why it's a it's more likely that it's more likely that they're going to be able to supervise the creation of a console and make sure it's not trash. So, the forum post that I saw. On the, in the forums, all the people in there are talking. Their concern is cross-population of, you know, rooms to race in. Like, I don't want to be racing console people, <laughs> you know. Uh, don't mix them is what the message was I was getting in the forums. But it's about licensing, uh, too. You know, it, it allows – iRacing has a ton of licenses, you know. And, and so these other companies that are going to make console games, racing games – now they have access to the license because they're under the same ownership and vice versa, you know, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely no fun when, when, um, I racing lost that Le Mans 24 hour Le Mans license. We, we all complained about that. You know, I racing did their best to kind of do a workaround, but still there was a, there was some contention there when that went down, you know, you know, you start wondering if I racing's, start losing some of their mojo when they, they lose uh, access to those kind of uh, those kind of um, properties. But um, so hopefully that's what this means here is that that won't happen very often. Now this monster games that they bought is run by this guy, Richard Garcia, who actually worked on papyrus with Dave Kamer originally. And so this is another uh, coming together of some of the original team. Um, and apparently there's other team members that are with uh, Garcia on his team that were part of Papyrus originally too. Um, I had read in the comments um, that are coming up back as well, so to speak. And so it's going to be one big happy family. Um, and there's another quote here I want to read from um, forum poster Robert Chrisdale. He said, motorsports game is another EA full of cash and trying to buy everything. Papyrus were decimated with licenses taken 
Then in between 2000 and 2008, we had crap titles from EA, which ultimately spawned R-Factor, Modders, and iRacing, uh, EX Papyrus. Dave Kamer and Richard Garcia, for that matter, have been through this all before, but this time are in a position to band with others and improve across the board and add console to the genre. Something being PC only has been detrimental to licenses. These acquisitions will help, I hope, open up new content and secure others that have seen a spread of license purely just because iRacing scope has been limited to the PC. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like getting the band back together almost. Um, so if you remember, guys, we had like a story about two months ago where they just hired somebody that was an original Papyrus guy um, who was a, a tire modeler, I believe. Um, so that 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 happened a little while ago too so that's um interesting that that it's all coming back together like that um and uh, you know they 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 required that dirt game that we announced uh talked about last week um but i i don't i don't see that being a an issue as far as protecting licenses because that really didn't didn't have any licenses with it i don't i think these are kind of two different um two different animals why why these were both done for two different reasons. Right. Well, it isn't just acquiring current licenses. It's setting them up to be able to get licenses in the future. Right. I, I think last, that first company, maybe we were talking, guessing they were acquiring tech or talent or maybe a engine, a graphics engine or something. But, you know, this, this one is probably, you know, getting the talent, but also, like David just said, the license part where let's say you have a new racing series, Tony Stewart's SRX that just comes up out of nowhere. And you, you give them a proposal for, hey, we want to be your one-stop shop for, uh, for your racing sim and console game licensing. We can offer you a PC version in iRacing. We can also offer the console version over on this, you know, over at Monster Games. We can give a console version of SRX, and and it's all one package, you know, and 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 they it makes it easier for them to buy the, you know, to sell that to SRX, you know, when they can do it as a package. And, and NASCAR, the NASCAR license, you know, why can't you know iRacing get that NASCAR console license, so to speak, and and be the ones, you know, and have Monster Game be the one putting out the the NASCAR heat, so to speak. Well, we got a quick one here. Uh, 2022 season one patch one is being released on January 11th. The usual downtime messages. You can get on test drive, yada, yada, yada. It starts at uh, 8 a.m. Eastern time. What do you expect? I don't know. There is no patch notes. Um, you know what? I hope though. Maybe they uh, tweak the uh, horsepower on that. Next gen. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be the complete release, but it, it, it you know, it could be just a little knob, Boop. change the horsepower. Or yes. what else is ready? Um, what about the Coliseum? That's a possibility. Well, if if they're ahead of schedule, if that's the case, is it even finished being built? No, but they've they pre-designed it in iRacing. I don't think they're plan. Are they going to really going to scan it after they they pave it? Yeah, once once it's built, it's probably going to go away, right? I don't know if that's going to be like a permanent racetrack. I, I think we're going to get released the pre-built one, the one that they designed before they even went to the Coliseum. Another thing I've been worried concerned about is um, uh, what we're two and a half weeks away from the Rolex 24, and 
we had all kinds of server issues last year at the beginning of that race. Um, so I'm kind of curious if they're going to start uh, doing some tests on that soon, or maybe maybe there's something in this patch that that uh, that has something to do with that. We'll find out. Hey, Brian, who is Susan Flint? Well, um, this comes from uh, Clyde Coleman in the uh, forums, and he posted the question uh, because he sees he noticed that he does a lot of irate I. AI racing, so he's racing uh, the computer-generated cars, and he noticed that the name Susan Flint is almost always the fastest one, or like at the top of the field in these AI races, despite that uh, the performance in those are, are kind of supposed to be randomized, so you know, not the same drivers are always at the top for whatever reason, but but this Susan Flint, she seems always to be at the top. Um, so uh, we did get a couple of replies in the forum. Um, one of them said that she is, uh, let's see, she's a, uh, she's a definitely iRacing staff member, and they thought that they put her in there as kind of a wink and a nod. She's a, she's a technical and customer support department, and she has a background in technical support. But uh, they, they speculate that the developers might have made her personality really fast, just as kind of a wink to her. But um, we do have a response from staff member. Nate DeSelms about it. And he said, um, you know, that the fact that Susan's amazing AI speed has been pointed out twice has him curious. Um, But he does uh, confirm that skills are assigned to the drivers using the Chromium engines math.random call. But he has been finding articles saying it's less than random than other engines. So, so the, uh, so does that mean the program is actually starting to play favorites within the randomization? That seems kind of funny. Another thing is when I do eye racing, it always seems like John Henry's at the top. I don't know why that would be, you know, other than he's the, he's the money behind the whole deal, you know? <laughs> well, the, the other poster, R.E. Samuelson, he put up a Excel spreadsheet and it's in another language. So I had a little time uh, trying to figure out what I'm looking at, but Susan Flint is at the top of the list. Uh, apparently, she has better numbers than everybody else. So, uh, so he kind of confirmed what the other guy was saying, and uh, yeah, maybe there's something to it. So maybe this is what we're getting. And on Tuesday, we have the New Atlanta Motor Speedway. They're actually welcoming uh, NASCAR this week um, for testing um, trucks Xfinity on Tuesday. And next gen uh, is going to run on Wednesday and Thursday. And the new paving was completed on December 22nd. So this might be a good time for iRacing to scan it, you know, during the test or right after the test. Is it just me that Triable looks really sharp in the picture if you look at the article? Yeah, you're right. It looks a lot more like Charlotte than uh, than it used to. Boy, it does look like a sharp dog, dog leg there, doesn't it? Now, I saw some videos, uh, I think... Kurt Busch uh, put up a, a video on social media. He was in a pace car or something going around the track. The banking is extreme, and they're going to run the super speedway packages on this track, like it's Daytona and Talladega. So technically, guys, we have three super speedway tracks now. That's crazy. Is that is that going to be a good thing? For me. okay yeah (laughs) i understand that yeah from that from that point of view but um 
I don't know. I don't know. I guess, man, I shouldn't say a whole lot till I actually see what's what's going on and how it all uh, goes down. Like, I love watching it, but oh, I'm a little worried, I guess. From the video I saw, I mean, it looked like it was steep, like steeper than Talladega. I mean, or maybe at least the same, but it was steep, the banking. Very it's cool. Gonna, it's going to have a lot of grip, right, with the new surface. Um, higher bank so you know it's gonna tend to be more less time off the throttle for sure especially with the next gen car i'm gl so glad they changed the horsepower because this track with the smaller horsepower would have been just you know just mashing the pedal the entire time no well, the super speedway practice is even less horsepower than yeah that. so the 670 is for everything but super speedway oh oh yeah you're right Ugh. Ugh. And so this will be the 550 package uh, at the new track. It'll be less. It'll be less. Now, we understand iRacing did some mock-ups of this track before they settled on the configuration before they built it and paved it. So, you know, I would expect in this scenario, unlike the Coliseum, that iRacing actually goes out and scans it after the, you know, it's been paved. And gives us the actual track you know with the coliseum i understand it's a little different because it's temporary you know so who knows i mean maybe they're gonna go scan the coliseum too i don't know more hashtag soon right yep well there's this uh monday night racing league that features a lot of people in the industry including some drivers and they set a new record with Mon with the sim seat 250 at talladega or 215 at talladega having over forty-seven thousand viewers and uh, making it their second most uh watch ever that's pretty good for a sim race man they don't pull those numbers in coke sometimes yeah, that's well it's it's the pro series invitational sort of, but with actual consequences compared to how the, when the pro series was running, they were just turned it into a, a goofball show. Yeah. I watched uh, parts of this and uh, was entertained. I mean, podium does a great job. I got to give them to it. Uh, you know, uh, Pike um, leading the way and they got some new talent in there working with him that I haven't seen before. And, but they did great. I mean, it was a, it was a good broadcast. Um, the racing was good. Um, they have a, a reset. And so that kind of makes it better because you have people like Kyle Bush, you know, he got taken out in a big wreck and, you know, you're always wanting to watch how he does. Of course he had a reset, so he was still in it, you know, and, and to see, you know, see how he would shake out. But, it ended up being Matt Stallnecht uh, winning the race, um, and uh, yeah, pretty cool. And that wasn't a race where they had DW and uh, in the booth or anything like that, right? No, this was Pike and some uh, new talent. I think it was okay because they because they usually advertise when Larry Mack and, and DW are, are in the booth with those guys, and I thought maybe that could could have boosted some of the numbers. But this is just the regular broadcast team. Just, just pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, you got people like Anthony Alfredo in, in the race, you know, Garrett Smithley. Uh, I see TJ Majors, Raja Karuth, Tim Duggar, the country singer, Kyle Busch, like I mentioned, Stefan Wilson, the IndyCar driver. Yeah, it's inter it's entertaining. Check it out, Monday night, guys. I'll pick up the next one. Uh, iRacing is back at the Chili Bowl. Chris Rebels tweeted out that he is stoked to have iRacing sponsorship once again for the Chili Bowl Nationals. 
Well, they can't pick anyone better except for maybe Kyle Larson, right? Well, they used to have both of them. I don't think they did Kyle last year because of all he was. Well, Kyle had somebody else. He was going through a lot last year as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't heard of a second driver yet. I'm sure they got two drivers, so can't imagine they only did one. They've always done two. That car, that shaped car, is really good for uh, for signage. Yeah, the i racing, uh, really big and bold on the right side. I mean, all the way from the front tire to above the back tire. I mean, it, the word i racing. I mean, it really sticks out. How do you like the number placement? <laughs> Guess it's okay. I love the colors, though. Well done. Yeah, I like how they had the iRacer driver uh, on the on that court, that left corner panel behind the driver's seat. It's really cool there. This is the same paint we saw maybe two years ago. I don't think it's any different. You can actually get this paint in in the uh, in the service uh, trading paint. I think it's one of the. No, I think it's actually in built into the. Of the default the ones built in all oh, the default the choices yeah yeah you're right you're right david is pretty cool uh what's the chili bowls coming up in the second week of uh january i think or is it should week? be soon yeah hashtag soon looks like we're going to talk about the lbrl metro cup next brian yeah, so uh, I got a message from Dwayne MacArthur, one of the one of the top guys over there at OBRL, and he wanted to put the word out for the Metro Ford um, uh, forty week Cup Series that's starting in February. Get some get the word out because they've really ramped up their game on this series. So it's a forty week series that follows the uh, the NASCAR Cup season. Um, they've added two new sponsors. Metro Cup is uh, the uh, the Metro dealership in Chicago um, that uh, that one of the members is the owner of, Patrick Milligan. They've added two new sponsors, Kim Bowl and Victory Lane Sports. And they're going to, they, they've all put it together to make a, a $3,000 prize pool for the season. So that's a, they're really, a, they're really stepping up their game over there at the Metro Ford OBRL Cup. Wait so, a minute. Uh, let me, but let me interrupt you, Brian. So this is a free league that you don't correct. have to pay for and they have a $3,000 prize. That's correct. It's Holy a, it's, cow. it's a free league. Um, the guys there just love it so much that, you know, there's a, um, a way to donate to the league. So that's all voluntary donations that you put. The rest of the money comes from their uh, sponsorships, but, um, but people donate all the time because they have such a great time in that season series. So, um, so the, the winner of there's a manufacturer's cup that pays out $500. So if you run a Toyota in the season and Toyota come is, and you finish the required number of races and Toyota is the top, uh, manufacturer, you'll be splitting $500 with your teammates. Um, so th there's they, uh, they pay out to the top 10 finishers in the league. That's a $1,500 total, uh, payout um here's here's what's pretty cool there's a they award eight positions for the top safe drivers so the fewest amount of incident points for the year among the top eight drivers and uh and the winner of that prize gets almost as much as the winner of the actual uh, of the actual series so just to, just to show you how how much they covet and uh and and really want good safe racing they they actually pay out for that um so they got hard charger awards, which is ten dollars for every rate, uh, ten dollars per race for positions gained. So uh, they're having a rookie of the year and a pole award. So yeah, they're really paying out a lot of a lot of money in this league. Um, so uh, 
the winner um oh and they're also uh they're going to be like uh, broadcasting the entire season from their broadcasting partner, which is a team goon squad. So uh, they put out good, re good replays. I watched the one that I was in a couple days ago, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, um, all really well done. Um, so if you're interested, you can always go to oldbastardsracing.net is their website to sign up. Uh, you have to be 35 years or old or older to uh, sign up and you have to have an I rating of under 3,500. Sorry, dude. All right. I could have two more bad races and be right there. <laughs> you got plenty of time to tank your I rating. <laughs> I tanked it at the end of the season, man. Had a horrible ending of the, of the year. And for you listeners out there that aren't in a league and you're looking for one, this is the time, right? When the season starts, uh, especially with the long leagues like this one, this is 40 weeks, you know, and we have the fast track racing league. That's going to be a 36 week. And there's, there's other racing leagues out there that are along like this, but they all start at the same time at the Daytona 500. So now's the time to pick and get into something. Yeah. Even there are other leagues like the Arcas and the trucks and Xfinity, um, they all start at the same time as well, even though the ARCA and trucks are only like 13 week season. So if you're not, if you're not up for that long protracted of a season, you know, heck go out for one of those ARCA, ARCA series or the truck series are only 13 weeks long. That's easy to get in and out of. Not only do you get great racing with those guys, you get unbelievable community with them as well. They're just a great bunch of dudes to hang out with. Very well. Somebody else stepping up is BMW. Uh, Bavarian Motorworks uh, Sim GT Cup is back for 2022 with a total of 10 races that are going to take place this year. However, this year, the events are even bigger with a series total prize purse of over $40,000. As in 2021, the races are 120 minutes long, two hours, and includes a mandatory driver change, two drivers. These events will feature the BMW M4 GT3 again, and we'll race on the following tracks. And we have a list of tracks, and the events are at 1300 GMT. Uh, as mentioned, two drivers required. January yeah, 9th was the, uh, is the first one. Now, that's coming up here this weekend. Yeah, so it starts at Daytona, and it's got all the really cool uh, racetracks on here. So it's a good, it's a good series and good, good season of tracks. It's basically one race a month. Um, through January through October. Now, David, any interest or doesn't this start at the same time as is NIS? Yeah. Oh, well, Daytona starts this weekend, right? And then the next race won't be till February sixth in Rhode Yeah, Atlanta. so January 9th is the first race. Yeah. Um. So probably that that one you could hit, but no, it's it's twelve G or was it twelve GMT or thirteen? It says thirteen hundred GMT. Yeah, so that's minus six, right? So it's at seven. It wouldn't be done before NIS starts. So it would conflict with what? Daytona 500? And everything else for the rest of the year, yeah. Yeah. And there, I think when I saw the forum post, there was some question about the times, but Greg West had said the times are set based on what BMWs want to accomplish and that kind of thing. It's a little, it's a little more Eurocentric, and you know? I mean, well, I guess I don't know if that NIS time slot would be considered Eurocentric or not, but that's one of the ones we more than more often get to run. My take on this is, 
Wow, an event every month spread over 10 months, and there's such a big prize pool. How many people are going to like literally run every event, you know, and make sure they're in each one and not forget to run one? I mean, as the year goes on, I would think that the the amount of people that are would qualify to even get into the prize money would just dwindle down to a small group. And so, wow. Not with the prize pool. I think there will be enough people that stick with it. For that much, yeah. And there's a lot of time to practice in between races, too. If you're really invested, man, you got a lot of practice time. Now, there's PDFs in the forums um, on the announcement from Greg West. I had kind of peeked at them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's all this stuff, you know, from BMW that, you know, you have to agree to because you're getting paid by them. It's their event. What about the big event? Well, the biggest thing that we all spend a lot of time getting ready for and usually has one of the biggest turnouts of the year is the Rolex 24. We've already talked about it. It's going to be the the 2022 IMSA lineup, which is the LMP2 and all of the GT3s basically just about that are in the service. And it's got four time slots starting at 22 GMT on Friday, Saturday, 7, 12, and 16 GMT. So ever since the basically ever since the last year when it, they had the collapse again they're sticking with this four time slot format and it's spreading the load out i think just a little bit better because we haven't had a like a major catastrophe like that since well and it also gives you know if you've been if you've been the car early it gives you an opportunity to say hey let's just start fresh yeah, we, we've done that before. When the, when they had the two that started like two hours apart, we we got wrecked out in the first hour and just jumped into the next one. Um, and we haven't decided which slot we're going to run. I know it's going to be uh, me and Kyle and Tom and Greg and and Richard Lucky are throwing together a team. Uh, we haven't decided what time or slot we're running because I guess it depends on if you want to stay up overnight on Friday or Saturday. Well, so I'm off we'll, work. We'll figure that so out. I'm good for any time. Well, I'm off work on Saturday, but I will have been at work all day Friday. And uh, this is not this weekend or next weekend. It's the weekend after. And the team fun car is Tony and Tony and Chris and Brian and Tyler, right? And Tyler and me. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. That's cool. That's going to be a good team. I'm already practicing right now. So it was the same team, except David Flowers is out and Tyler Williamson is in. And I told Tyler he's got big, big, big shoes to fill. Are y'all making Tyler start? Uh, Maybe we should. Those big shoes, yeah. (laughs) All he's got to do is run into a wall and it'll be set. You always want the rookie to start first. Well, Rochette was, you know, pulled up last year's schedule, and we were just going to use that as our starting point. And, uh, yeah, it had Flowers starting, so I guess that means Tyler starts. All right, we're into events. Uh, Brian, how about the charity race at Daytona? Okay, yeah. This is a pretty cool event, man. I think uh, Tony Tony sent this to us. Um, this is the MVG 
charity race at Daytona, which is uh, military and veteran gamers. Uh, so with military and veteran gamers in association with Haas, which is a high-octane sim series, they're going to be hosting a charity event to help raise awareness to the 22 veterans lost to suicide each day. That's terrible. That's a terrible statistic. Um, but we want to we want to kind of bring some awareness to that, so maybe we can change that around a little bit. There is a ten dollar entry fee, and um, it's going to be the next gen cars at Daytona. It's going to be held on January twenty second, and they're going to be paying out to the top three finishers. Uh, it's a two hundred lap race, so that's a that's a pretty much full full length, right? So uh, it's a uh, it's going to be uh, coming up in a couple weekends. Uh, you can donate uh, extra to the uh, charity by uh, going to uh, the PayPal um, at the uh, High Octane Sim Series. And, uh, man, so what a great cause. The gates are going to open at 6 p.m., and the race starts at 7 p.m. on the 22nd. So, uh, you know, the first thing that I think we noticed is this is the same time as the 24. And I don't know if that's a great date to have your charity race, but nonetheless, it is on that same Saturday. Well, I'm sure there's a few oval drivers who, uh, who who might not be who might be skipping that thing. Or if you're running late on the 24, uh, yeah, you could still participate in this. You know, uh, before you run your your 24 hour shift, uh, you know, go help out a, a great charity. You know, and uh, great practice maybe for the Daytona 500. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right, Mike. Um, so. Yeah, it's something. I, I seriously, uh, once we make our schedule for um, for the twenty four hours, if it's something I can work in, I might I might try hopping into this. Sounds like fun. All right, housekeeping notes. Don't forget the aftermath podcast. Uh, Tony, tell us what's going on over there. Oh, we just uh, got together last weekend to have like a just a little chat, or you know, kind of what uh, what we did over the holidays and. Uh, you know what good uh, sim goodies uh, Santa brought us? It's pretty good chat. It's, uh, it's a quick one this week, but it's good. Go get it. All right, we have a website, iRacersLounge.com. We're at the one-year anniversary of the website. Uh, I know because I paid the bill for it, <laughs> but it's been great, guys. I, I can't tell you enough the visual to be able to follow along visually while you're watching a podcast or listening to a podcast. Hey, we're talking about some product or something. Boy, just go into the show notes, click the link. You can see it while we're talking about it. It's great. Check it out. We also have a great Discord. Kyle, give us a little uh, preview of what people will find if they go join our, our Discord. Uh, well, the Discord's actually broke up pretty easily for everyone to navigate. Uh, one of my favorite areas is the Media Center. Uh, we can share uh, not only us in the podcast but everyone who joins the discord can share pictures from races or some video clips that they might want to post to it uh just kind of share you know their little bragging rights where they may want to um we've also got areas for leagues uh so we're going to be setting that up a little more in depth that's kind of just still sitting on the ground getting ready to take off um we've got areas for setup talks and you can also upload some setups so like if you have a question about a setup and whatnot just go and set up talk and just ask away and Someone, hopefully, who has knowledge in that will get with you. Um, we got some areas that are for the 24-hour race as well. Um, paint shop, special events, uh, PC setups, and, of course, our voice chat areas and whatnot. So we got the infrastructure, 
in place. We need people. <laughs> now we need our listeners to get in and participate. So come be part of it, guys. I mean, it's kind of a ghost town right now because we, we just don't have enough people in there. So uh, let's get people joined. Let's get some discussion going. Um, you know, if we can get some people, you know, actually conversing, you know, I would be interested in putting up topic ideas, uh, you know, and, and let's discuss those throughout the week. So we could have fun with it, but we need people. So everyone join. Go find it. I uh, I will be posting the link as well in our on our Facebook pages, so uh, be sure to find it there, and uh, hopefully we'll have those uh, that link in the show notes as well and on the website. Yep, we're also over at Performance Motorsports Network. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, Brian, how about this Philo Sim Racing cockpit? Yeah, guys, this is a Philo Sim Racing Cockpit, and their, their goal was to design a Formula One-style Sim Racing Cockpit with an exclusive and uh, original design, which you can add to any steering wheel or pedal and have have given the Philo elegant curves that integrate elegantly into any environment. So uh, this is like a really nice-looking rig as far as uh, the design. It's, it's wood. Um, and the uh, the cushions on it are uh, this like white white looking uh, plush stuff. It looks like a like something you would put in like a a, a lounge somewhere. Uh, yeah, it's a very elegant design, very furniture looking. Uh, it's a uh, it's uh, definitely an F one seated position. You're 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 laid back pretty far, and your your pedals are up nice and high. Uh, the picture they show has a uh, direct drive wheel on it, and. and from what I could see, it doesn't look like there's any reason why you wouldn't be able to get a, uh, you know, direct drive on there. It's pretty strong looking. I don't think you have any problems with that. Uh, this particular one uses a um, one of those uh, Samsung Odyssey G9 uh, super, super duper widescreen curved monitors on it. Uh, looks like it would be really good for a, a for a VR setup. Uh, so you don't need, you wouldn't even have to worry about a super monitor like that. But uh, yeah, so really really nice looking really comfy looking um the website's showing on um uh, that it's going for 1399 1399 uh, euros uh which they're showing as a discounted price from 24.99 so they really marked it down quite a bit uh not sure exactly what that translates to us dollars but uh it's on their website uh or their uh, facebook page for Philo one sim racing cockpit you want to take a look at that one thing we always wonder about is adjustability, and they've got a picture on here that actually shows the options for adjustability so that you can move the seat forward, backwards, up. You can move the rim forward and backwards, which, and you can move the pedals. About the only thing you can't move the height of the, uh, the base, the steering base. So probably you have to pretty much set that ba by your, your seat rather than the, the steering base. Yeah, so you're you're reclined pretty far in this bad boy. Um, I would be concerned about you know, you know this almost thing tipping backwards. It looks like if you lean back really hard, getting in or getting in or out, it might want to pop a wheelie on you as you're doing it. Uh, so it's furniture. I mean, that was a great word, Brian. I mean, it's elegant. The wood looks like furniture wood, and you know, with a white cushion, this could easily fit into most women's living room 
you know, you could put this in a living room with a white couch and it would just blend right in. You had to bring the women into it, didn't you? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you, if space is a problem, I mean, go with something that looks decent and it won't be a problem, you know, to add this to a living room. But with the look at the monitor with the monitor, it's got the white back. OK, which matches the cushion. I mean, this visually it works. The equipment is minimal. You got the wheel, you got the pedals. There's no wires. I mean, the monitor blends in with the look of the of the rig. And so stunning visually. I, I really like the design. As far as I tried to zoom in on the picture and I want to point out if you look under the seat where your butt would be, there's a round disc, it looks like. Maybe that's like where a, a butt kicker kind of thing or um, goes right there. That would be awesome. I mean, uh, there is something round under there. I can't tell what it is. The other thing I noticed is the way the monitor is mounted, uh, the, the curved monitor is on its original stand. It's not mounted to a visa mount. It's got the original desk mount uh, arm, but that desk mount arm is mounted into some kind of contraption that's mounted to the wood. The other thing is concerning is that Fanatec DD1 base, I know it has wires coming out the back of it, and I know where those wires are, and it doesn't appear that there's room for the wires the way this thing looks. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, although it does say you can move the uh, the uh, wheel forward and backwards, but I don't know if that'll make room behind the, the direct drive or not. You know, so, but overall, okay. just a real nice, sleek um, sleek design. And, uh, you know, if that's something that you might be interested in, get something that's a little different than everybody else, still has some adjustability. Uh, you like F1-style style systems, and maybe it's something you want to check out. It's not crazy expensive, so... Okay, next up is the Camus DD Wheel Review. Doug Thompson reviews this Camus 15NM direct drive wheelbase from China on YouTube, on his uh, YouTube channel. Um, I kind of perused through this. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, we got another wheel. He was impressed with the build quality um, as he looked like he considered it all looking kind of medium build quality. Uh, it, the power supply looked like it wasn't cheap plastic. He, he said it was like a right middle of the road uh, USB type cable. Some of the nice features on it were that uh, it has it comes with quite a few buttons and toggles built into the to the rim and the base. Um, the thing I was going to wonder is though it's kind of hard to reach those buttons when that wheel is attached. And the one thing that is missing, oh, another neat thing is there were magnets that you could put in to adjust that how hard the resistance was on the magnetic pedals or paddles. Um, but the one thing that was definitely missing from the video is he didn't he didn't test it in sim. Yeah, this is the one that has the buttons on the front of the base, which makes it kind of unique. Right, but can you reach those? Is the question. Can you easily reach those when you're racing? Right. Now, are those buttons there, like, you know, meant to be used like in sim, or are they for another purpose? They're mappable, from what I understand. For the most part, you're, if it's a wheel, you usually kind of use it in sim. Now, so how does this compare to Sim Magic, Tony Gross? 
Any um, thoughts? <laughs> no, I don't really have any thoughts because uh, I haven't watched the video. Um, I'm just kind of going off of like w- what a pitcher is here. Um, and you got to remember, like I got the SimMagic uh, Alpha Mini, so um, it's definitely not putting out you know this amount of power. But it's tough to say. Like the build quality on, on mine is is phenomenal. Like the the wheel is awesome and and the base is just as awesome it's just it's solid extremely solid and reliable so i clicked the link to go buy it out of the video youtube video description and it took me to some website where it gives a pricing of two hundred dollars shipping five hundred dollars for the base two hundred for the wheel so that's nine hundred with shipping it includes the wheel that kind of make me a little skeptical, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's, that's not a- the right, same range as VRS, right? Yeah. S- sorry, I'm thinking Canadian. You guys are thinking American. We're on different levels here. <laughs> For that much power or at that price with the wheel, I think that's a pretty good value. I'd probably wait till more people have it and get some more reviews. But you said it was 200 in shipping. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty steep shipping. It's coming from China, and it says air shipping. Ah, uh, well, you don't want to send it by sea right now. No, right. you'll wait six month wait on that sucker. So if he didn't have to ship it that way, if we didn't have shipping problems, it would only be a seven hundred dollar wheel. You know, right. it's a seven hundred dollar wheel with two hundred in shipping. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting because you know it's that twenty twenty percent of the cost is just to ship it to you. That's that's a little high ratio for shipping to the product for me it costs that much in shipping for my entire sim lag rig sim lab rig from all the way from europe okay so is this a good um alternative to the CSLDD? well competition's good um you'd have to actually have somebody compare the two to to decide that's a lot more power for let's see um that's so yeah we'll see if more youtube videos uh trickle in we'll talk about them what else do we have here uh david for csl well, we've got a CSL BMW P1V2, um, and this looks kind kind of like the PlayStation or M- Xbox style rim that comes with that button configuration, except it's got the BMW uh, plate on it, which is going to jack the price up. What's with the orange coloring stripes, whatever? I don't know. I don't know if I like that. That's just a design decision BMW went with. So this is an unboxing video by Fanatec, and it shows driver install installation, you know, how to set up the wheel, basically. And then it goes through um, calibration, what the buttons do, and that kind of thing. Do we have a price on it, or do we need to hit the, hit the website and pull that up real quick? Well, th- wasn't this the one that sold out the first day? I think it was 1400 by memory. Yeah, isn't that, that's, the, that's the podium. Uh-huh. BMW wheel, right? Oh, this is the CSL. This is different, right? Yes. So it's interesting that Fanatec doesn't put a link to their own product in their own video. But no, there's no link. Yeah, so this uh, YouTube uh, video that we linked to on the script here is just a typical unboxing. Um, You know, it's, it's there's no uh, there's no dialogue to it. Just music in the background shows you shows you how to set it up and go through some of the uh, some of the settings on it, stuff like that. I found it, 140 bucks. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. It's um, 
it's it's one of the lower end wheels and wheel designs with with the BMW label on it. All right, cool. But if you like BMW, but and you want the value rim, this is a good one to go. It'd be a good oval rim actually if if you're a smaller guy. Get that thir- I think that it, I'm guessing it's the 13 inch. Looks like 13. I was size. trying to find a size, but it's not a 15. You got this one, David. Uh, hydraulic I, pedals. I do, and I gave this video a full watch. Uh, the value is good. This is coming from Sim Magic, which is the same same guys you got your wheel from, right, uh, Anthony, Tony? Yes, sir. Yep. I, I okay. Been hearing a lot of positive things about this in the forums. Yeah, the the reviewer was definitely pleased with them. the The only downer he had was the he didn't like the feel of the clutch, but he's he described the the gas pedal as feeling very uh, realistic, and the and the brake pedal feel feeling like a real race car, which is I guess what you get out of a lot of the hydraulics. Um, it, it he uh, was impressed with how plug and play it was. He didn't have to do a lot of adjustments at right at the get go to get them working. They look pretty freaking sharp too. I like the look of them with the black metal and the you know red uh, components, uh, red and yellow components. It, it it's really got a look to it. And there is an option on the gas pedal if you happen to be looking. You can get the longer plate for that. That's an add-on option. So what do you think, Tony? Uh, when you want to get a all sim magic uh, set up at some point, or I'm not even allowed to answer because I know my wife listens to this show, I would get <laughs> shot. So uh, secretly he's saying yes. Um, yeah. Okay. So, you know, if, if I had a pile of money, I could just throw at it. I, I would definitely very seriously consider these. Um, like I said, there's a lot of, a lot of positive uh, feedback coming out of um, like the groups and stuff I belong to um, about these pedals. And I don't know, I'd probably wait a, uh, you know, maybe a few more months, maybe another six months before I would like really jump in because I think these are fairly new, and I just like to see um, what people are saying. You know, after they've they've had them for a while, and you know, the honeymoon phase has kind of wore off a little bit. But um, yeah, lots lots of good out of them. I mean, they they'd be a good contender. I think it's a little weird that the electronics box is kind of separate, and you you know, he's plugging the cables from each you know, pedal into the little electronic box. The electronics box is clear though, which is kind of neat where you can see the circuit board and stuff inside of it. But it, what does it just hang loose? It just like floats loose, you know? No, no they, they send you some tape to, to that you seal it down with. Oh. Some two-sided tape. I see. Lots of options for hydraulic pedals. Oh, boy. That's one of the cheaper options we've seen though. Well, Brian, tell us about this next one. Yeah, this is the Hybrid Racing Simulations Modular Extension Kit. So it's a three-piece modular extension kit that uh, mounts on a, a semi-cube or a, a VRS race hub. So it will just uh, mount right on there and I'll extend it out. Um, it's made with um, aluminum. It's made out of uh, aluminum, so it's uh, you know not plastic. It's pretty heavy duty because you know those uh, semi-cubes they can they got a lot of torque to them. Um, you can get them in a couple different colors. You can get them in red or black. The anodized red looks really cool. Um, they run at uh, 175 Australian, so you have to do some uh, some figuring on what that would be American. But uh, unfortunately, they're out of stock right now on the website. But um, yeah, so it's a 
it's a it's a look solid looking piece. Um, it's you know really really strong aluminum, the high grade billet aluminum. So uh, you know it'll hold up to the strength and torque of those direct drive wheels, and I'll bring a little closer to you if you want a little bit better adjustment for your wheelbase there. You know the use case for this. You know my center monitor is right above the DD one, about the bottom of it's two inches above it. It's about three inches from the front of it. Now, would it be beneficial if the DD one was behind the monitor? Maybe, I, you know, and, and that's what this accomplishes. I mean, this, this thing extends is an ex, a spacer between your wheel and the base. So, you know, you can get your base away from you, but I'm, I'm wondering why. I mean, I, what's the use case? Because my base is low enough that it, I don't need to put it behind the monitor. But, I mean, I could, but but why would I want to? Yeah, and um, I didn't mention that it comes in th three different lengths as well. Um, there's 100 millimeters, 150, and 200 millimeters. So uh, you can uh, specify the length that you want to get out of that, too. But yeah, so I don't know. I, I like it's it's kind of weird because I have like on you know this wouldn't work on my Fanatec, but just just as a, for instance, uh, you know when I switched from my uh, one hub, the podium hub with the uh, the MPI wheel on it, I switched to like the Formula wheel that you know for some of this practice that we're doing for Daytona, it's 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 um, noticeably further away than the uh, than the oval wheel is, you know and. Uh, I, I would I would like to have a little bit more consistency in that in that. Now this isn't going to work for me for uh, for Fanatec, but you know, if I found something that was similar to it, it might be something I would look into because I want I want that consistency of having the wheel in the same, you know, same spot. Uh, so uh, you know, something like that would be good for too. Absolutely. I didn't think about that. Um, and that would drive me crazy too if the wheel was not in the same place. But I don't think that it just doesn't look like it comes on and off easily. It looks like you you put it on and leave it on. But but maybe that's a use case uh, if they could have a quick disconnect one. <laughs> yeah, sure. Something that hooks into the podium hub that 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 extends it or something like that. Um, that still snaps onto their their uh, quick connect. Who knows? All right. Next up is the Moza Racing R16 Direct Drive Wheelbase Review from the Sim Pit. And I did watch this. I have too many tabs open. Bear with me, guys. As I find the video, I just clicked. But uh, this one is the orange uh, wheelbase, as I call it, because it has on the sides bright orange uh, color uh, with some black on the top and sides and a, and a gold uh, mount where the wheel mounts kind of thing. And so it's got a little bit different look than the other wheels this is another China wheel. So there's Sim Magic. There's this one called Moza. And then there's the one that we went over earlier uh, earlier in the show as well. So uh, a lot of these coming out. So this was the R16, which is the 16 newton meter um, version. Um, they still have uh, the 21, the RD. DDR21, the 21 uh, newton meter one. So uh, he was testing the lesser of the two, but. Um, yeah, so uh, one of the things I saw that was interesting I didn't know about that uh, when I watched this video is that Moza actually does parts for go-karts, and that's where they originally came from, from the go-kart uh, trade. 
now the guy in the sim from the sim pit you know he he's very nice and, and cordial about this company and i think he said it initially had some problems and he had to send a different unit and but they did do that and he was able to test it that can be such an anecdotal anecdotal man i can't speak anecdotal observation right you don't you sometimes you just get unlucky like what you did with your dd drive that failed on the first day right yeah now 999 vat uh, so that's uh, under euro so that's without the wheel that's just the base and then the wheels are 500 so you'd be spending 1500 for a package so this is moza is definitely the most expensive of these three china um companies sim magic and camus and then there's moza and um i don't know i i, I haven't seen anything that that leads me to you know why did why to spend 1500 on this it's 16 nm of power newton meters and so the camus that we just talked about was 15. yeah it was a lot less now if i recall the other thing that sean cole uh mentioned or maybe it was will uh, from boosted media i forget that there was speculation that maybe these motors are coming off the same assembly line as well from these different companies yeah i, I, I can imagine that be a possibility well something that's not coming off of the assembly line is a personalized 3d printed f1 rig and we've talked about this already before but uh we have an update from uh pat Staricis, um and he's got some pictures on his facebook account um and he's basically having to print a whole bunch of little parts and then and then link them together but looking at the uh my favorite photo actually is kind of a holiday photo he's got the the nose piece and front wing with a wreath on it yeah, but it gives a, a close-up of the, you can see that it's plastic, you know, pr, you know, 3D printed plastic. And uh, Kyle Pendigraph, you're, you're our newest 3D printer guy. Uh, what do you think when you see this? Uh, are you ready to upgrade already? Oh, I've been ready to upgrade. Actually, I'm getting ready to do a fully enclosed uh, printer uh, next week. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I see this and I'm thinking all the screw-ups I've had in the last week does this guy have any screw-ups when he does these parts? Because these, you know, that's a very precise, you know, type of print there. So that's where my head goes. And how much is all of that printing material price-wise? Uh, for a one kilogram spool, it's usually between 20 to $30. Depends on what kind you get. Uh, there's so many different types of filaments out there. It's all just, you know, whatever's in it determines the price. So he's probably only in for a, a couple of hundred with this, with all of that matter. Uh, with that, I would say every bit of two to three, four hundred dollars. Crazy. So this is the second story we had where people have been printing um, F1 cars. We had the one from the college a couple of weeks ago. Now this guy. Um, that's pretty pretty interesting. So I, I didn't catch this. Did is he using that uh, scale model uh, diecast as a as his template for this build? Is that what was going on? I think that's the idea. He's got a picture of a Red Bull F1 car there next to the print. And uh, yeah, I would guess that's his model, but who knows? But did he 3D scan it? How did he get it into the CAD software? I wonder. 
Now, initially, I thought this was a follow-up from the school that we talked about before, but this is something new, this different guy. Yeah, this is a different one. So that and Kyle makes three, right? <laughs> Are you going to print a simulator? Uh, I wish I could. I did actually print the cones for a wind simulator, so got that in the works. Okay, Brian, we do have uh, Will from Boosted Media next. Yeah, so uh, Will's been real busy lately uh, after his little flood. If you, if you didn't, don't watch his show, his basement flooded when they had real bad storms down under where he lives. But uh, he's been real busy lately. He's, he's reviewed two different headsets, uh, VR headsets, the Pimax uh, Vision 8KX and that new uh, Varho Aero. Um, so uh, he reviewed both of them. I'll give you a quick rundown of his thoughts on both of them. And it's kind of the same thing I've heard from other reviewers on both of them, to be honest with you. So uh, the Pimax 8KX, uh, you know, I, I had uh, one of the guys from the team, I think Tony Rochette, was uh, a little confused the way they phrased the 8K. You know, um, it's basically two 4, 4K um, lenses, so they call it an 8K, uh, which is basically what, like, uh, the reverb is, and the Varho is actually a little, a little bit more uh, better than that. The difference between the Pimax 8K is that there's that, uh, that resolution is spaced over a bigger size screen. So um, because of the, uh, the the extreme field of view that the Pimax has. So it's not quite as sharp as the Varho. The Varho is a, a higher, higher, um, higher resolution, and it's in a more compact, uh, compact uh, couple of uh, screens. So, you know, you're, you're, you get about the same, um, field of view on the Varho as you would like on the HP Reverb, but the, the fidelity is, is, is higher. So the Pimax, uh, his issues were there were it's a heavy unit. It's really heavy because of how wide it is to get those wide screens on there. So it's heavy. And he was having problems with it. Uh, it's pinching on his nose and being uncomfortable on his nose, all that extra weight. Um, you know, he, the other, the other concern with the Pimax is that, that, that field of view is really wide, but, um, the distortion on the edges of it gets kind of uh, gets kind of wonky. So, although you do have that wide field of view, the edges of it get a little uh, distorted. So um, that's pretty much what I've heard from a lot of people with the Pimax. You know, it's 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 a solid headset. You know, for field of view, there's just nothing that even comes close to it. You know, but there are some sacrifices to it: the weight and uh, a little bit of uh, distortion at the edges. Uh, but his review of the Varho Arrow was uh he was actually really impressed with that headset so this is the high-end headset it runs about two grand for the headset without the uh, base stations that you're going to need and it doesn't come with controllers um so he tried this unit out it didn't have any sound with it either so he's using his own headsets he is using like a beta version so we're not sure if actually how that's gonna if that's going to be the uh, final product but the clarity and 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 colors and brightness of the Varho, he was very enthusiastic about, very excited. He said it was just near photorealistic. It was it was just a fantastic view. Um, uh, I, I don't remember him having anything bad to say about it, other than uh, other than the price being so high. You know, if you're gonna, you know, if you if you if money's not an object, you know, you can. It's it's. You know, are you going to spend two grand on this headset as opposed to you know five hundred for a, a reverb? You know, is it that much of a difference that you're going to spend four times as much and then some with the base stations? But um, but as far as the you know 
on you know the review without having any qualifiers he said this is by far the best screen he's seen yet if he said he said the the idea headset would be like this quality of image with the width of the Pimax. So that would be his uh, ultimate game changer. You know, the, the, uh, the final product of, of, uh, the best headset he could imagine. But, um, so those are basically his thoughts on those two headsets there. Oh yeah. He did mention that the, um, he also tested several of the different softwares at max graphics and he's got a very high end PC and particularly the Pimax he had to roll the graphics back quite a bit and limit the the fps to 75 rather than 90 um so so if you're spending that much money for that much resolution and then you're immediately having to roll back all the settings it's uh the question is what's the point yeah that's that's a good point david and it, it seems to me like um that these vr headsets are almost outpacing the 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 uh the hardware to 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 run them you know, it's almost to the point where you, you can't get hardware fast enough to run these things at this point. So I think they're going to the technology of VR is going to be um, kind of thwarted a little bit by the ability of you to get, you know, affordable and uh, and high quality enough equipment to, to run it at its best settings. So I think there's going to be a little bit of technological bottleneck for VR um, for the not too distant future until, you know, a little bit better to better graphics cards come out maybe faster processors um things like that to to make it all worthwhile to to really start going um high end on v on these vr headsets yeah i mean you gotta have a 3090 to run it and then you might have to turn stuff down you know that's uh... yeah yeah I, I, I like i said i just think the vr headsets are just outpacing the technology to drive them at this point. Um, so hopefully it'll change and it'll come around and you can get better headsets for a better price. All right. We're going to hit one more hardware and Linus tech tips posted up a video of him building his ultimate racing setup. So, you know, I never thought in a million years we would see Linus tech tips doing sim racing. Uh, we, we watch his stuff because of, computer stuff like you know computer hardware and graphics cards and stuff like that but sure enough uh, he hooked up with sim labs and uh they drove somebody apparently drove him a rig uh, or drove down to where he was and delivered him a sim lab rig and him and his buddy uh sat there and set it up and that was the video of them uh, putting it together and you know, his buddy did all the hard work, and he was there for kind of comical fill, it, it seemed. Um, but they both worked on it together and put it together, and then they raced it, and uh, it was entertaining. Yeah, it's cool to see the um, see the um, somebody who's not f familiar with it, not not immersed into sim racing, who uh, gets a chance to jump right into high end type of system like he's got i mean he's got you know a fanatec dd1 i believe and uh you know nice uh nice uh rig i think he had motion in there too so a set of d boxes i believe he had set up so yeah he had a, a, a nice system and uh it was cool to see somebody's reaction to uh their first time in, in a system like that like uh you know as as his buddy was building the rig i mean he took it upon himself to put together one of the fanatec wheels uh you know the the paddles and the 
the hub and the wheel, you know, all put together and it's like a million different pieces. And, you know, he's trying to figure out how it all comes together. And, and like you said, for a novice who has never put together a wheel, it, it can be a challenge of how those things kind of piece together. And, uh, and you saw him kind of playing uh, through that. Yeah. One of the things I remembered uh, when I watched this was his reaction to the weight of that DD uh, motor, how heavy that thing is kind of caught him off guard how 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 heavy that dude is all right well let's move on to results and talk about our racing this week let's start with the winter nis series i actually ran a sunday fixed p7 uh, great run. I led some laps, but slammed the wall at some point and had three minutes optional. It was basically slow, the last car on the lead lap, but late carnage gave me some more spots. Um, now, And do you, re- do you recall uh, what Adam was telling you, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it? Because you were ready to just pull over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, ended up with a top 10. So it was a, it was good for I rating to, to do that. Um I was concerned because I had problems in this the 87 at Talladega where I would spin out at the at the front of the pack, and uh, boy was I nervous when I took the lead in this race, uh, tiptoeing. I mean tiptoeing uh, to make sure that I didn't spin that baby out. But it was a different track, and I didn't seem to have a problem, and uh, it worked out. So I was relieved that um, I kind of broke that curse. I think. Um, moving on to other racing, we ran, uh, I ran Carb Cup a bunch of times and won at Daytona um, in my second attempt that day. I ran Pickup Cup as well uh, at Phoenix three different times, didn't fare as well. I've been running just a lot of, uh, last week I ran a lot of Watkins Glen and Road Atlanta. Uh, the highest I got was a, a, a P2 in one of the Watkins Glen races. I've been testing out the Lamborghini. Uh, we'll tell you more about that later. Uh, no wins this week. It's been uh, just a lot of, it's the popular tracks and just haven't had that luck yet. All right, let's talk winter league. Um, so this happened before the race and I wanted to talk about it. David, you, I told you what had happened, but it was this weirdest thing ever. So it's practice before the winter league. I'm, I get in the room, I get in the car, five or six laps. I pull on the pit road. I actually pitted the same time David did. I park in my pit stall. I get out of the car immediately. So I'm out of the car. I'm looking at his replay and the buttons. It shows the pause symbol. So it's not in pause, but it's rolling. And I just see my car sitting on pit road. And I, I was doing other stuff and I wasn't in the car and I was looking at my phone and things. And then I looked up at my third-party sim app uh, gauges and my oil pressure gauge is creeping up creeping up creeping up and uh, sure enough the temperature just keeps going up and up while the car's sitting on pit road and I'm like "Uh, what's going on why is the temperature going red I'm not in the car so sure enough the temperature uh, boils over and the car blows up and starts smoking right on pit road on my screen so I had my car blow up an engine. I was never in the car and when I blew the engine. 
but on the but but I could see it on the you know when I was out of the car. It was the weirdest thing. Um, you say that, Mike, but that exact same thing happened to me uh, about a month ago. I was um in a um I was in a race and I uh, I parked it because I was having some technical issues where the screen was real jumpy, so I didn't I didn't um, so I pulled off the track so I didn't mess anybody's race up but I sat in pit road and I figured I was going to sit there for a while and just uh you know see if it got any better and my every once in a while I hear my crew chief says uh yeah your engine's getting a little hot I was like what What are you talking about I'm not even in the car your temperature's getting really hot and then so after a while I finally get back in the car to see if it's any better and it's sure enough it had blown up while I was sitting there so if you do that, this is a tip to anybody out there. If you pull off, if you pull into the pits and get out of your car, make sure you turn it off before you get out because it will overheat just sitting there on the pit road. It'll blow up on you. I guess it was confusing because I see the word replay. Like I'm in a replay. So how is the car sitting there live on pit road and eventually heats up and blows up, you know, if I'm in replay? So I guess that's what threw me off. Yeah, that's what happened to me. I just parked my car and got out of it without turning it off. And then, you know, I was watching replays. I was watching the race in live time. I was been spotting for somebody. I can't remember. But, yeah, I was just sitting there watching it and uh, kept hearing it. It was getting ready to blow up. And sure enough, it did. All right. Well, let's talk about the race. Um, there was a caution, lap six, I think it was, where, um, yeah, Jeff Marble and Alan Roll were the two people involved. They... Um, they basically hit coming out of the corner and it caused a real big one. And uh, I was involved and uh, boy, it broke the axle and I was crabbing, uh, like really crab walking. Like that thing was going sideways down the road, um, but huge wreck. And uh, I was disappointed because I wanted to run and uh, it looked like it was going to be a good race. And David, I guess it did turn out to be a good race after that caution. Yep, that was the only caution, and um, I thought I saw some people peel off, and I thought there's no way we were in range to make it one stop from that point. I was wrong, um, and so yeah, it ran caution free from that point on. We went. Uh, I ended up doing two stops and finished P10. I think there was about two or three people, four maybe three or four, that did one stop that finished in front of me, and everybody else that finished in front of me also did two stops. Uh, but Garrett Maines and Witt that, uh, is it Brett, Brett Witt or what? Brian Witt? Blade Witt. Blade Witt. Uh, they, they meant made it going full, going hot, you know, not even really saving fuel. I don't know how they did it. Um, but they still finished in front of me, uh, with just one stop. And Alan Pajari got a third. Yep. He made it on one stop. And I, you know, uh, I, it, I don't know how far they stretched it. I think they ended up stretching it about 63 or 64 laps. So I guess, the, I guess it was doable, but you had to spend that. You had to start saving from the get go. So Dave, does one stop typically beat two stops? No, but I didn't think they could do it in one stop. That was the, that, I mean, it was way out of range. We were, we were six laps into a 130 lap race, right? But so that extra about- six they got in the tank made the difference, right? Yep. Let's talk OBRL, ARCA, Brian. Yeah, so uh, Monday night was the uh, ARCAs at USA International. Um, I missed qualifying because I had a conversation with my wife and uh, didn't get back in time, so that screwed myself. Started in the back of a 28-car field, and uh, I basically just 
avoided incidents. Um, there was only a couple crashes, but they were all happened right in front of me. Um, twice, um, twice I had to stop in the middle of the track to uh, not not uh, get involved. Um, actually, like three times, I actually made small amounts of contact, stopping or trying to get out of the way of uh, people's uh, wrecks, and none of them gave, gave me any incident points. So I was actually pretty lucky because they were just real small damage, uh, small hits. So it wasn't too bad. Uh, finished P11. Um, had some great racing late in the race, the last 15 laps with uh, one of the guys in the league, Eric Essery. He's a he's a great racer. You know, he's one of those guys who like starts in the back, doesn't qualify, and always winds up in the top five for some reason. But um, he's a really good driver. But uh, so yeah, not a bad race. Um, this is a uh, week five out of eight before we start the playoffs, and uh, and I am in second place in points, which is crazy to think of. So knock on wood, I'm not sure about next week. It's not my, one of my better tracks, and then there's uh, Watkins Glen, so uh, so we'll see how it goes. But um, so yeah, not a bad race. I'll take the points, and also I had the fastest rate lap of the race, which never happens for me, but I'll take it. Well done. The OBRL Aftermath Truck Series, it was Josh Robinson for the win at Pocono, Dwayne MacArthur second, Jason Higginbotham third. And boy, Gitter Done Racing uh, seems to be blowing up. I mean, we had a bunch of teammates in there. Um, um, Brian, tell us uh, what happened. So um, it was a Charlotte 160 lap, and man, it was going to be so close on fuel that if you uh, that uh, if it stayed green the whole time, you know, it was going to be a nail biter on fuel. Well, there was an early caution, like nine laps in, about half, well, about a third of the field got fuel. I stayed out because I was expecting, you know, more cautions. That was only lap nine, and we had 160 to go. Well, it stayed green the whole rest of the race. I was uh, towards my last lap, my last uh, fuel run. I was calculating. I was like, man, I'm like two laps short. I was, uh, you know, the whole last run. I was, I was break. I was lifting way early going into the turns, uh, trying to do everything, but I still wound up being one lap short. So, I, I went from what would have been a top ten finish to like a. 20th place something like that after a re- after i was out of gas and had to run into the f- run into the uh pits to get some fuel um chris scales was in this race uh, he had a great run man he was blowing me away because we had one restart after that nine lap nine incident he was like right in front of me because we stayed out and he just took off with the leaders he was he was right up front i think he got bit by the uh, fuel bug as well because um uh, I, I, he uh, he didn't finish quite as high as he was earlier in the race, but it was a really good run for Chris. Well, I was running uh, NIS Winter, um, and you guys were running that, and I was entertained listening to Tyler Williamson. I think he might have had a one of those, uh, you know, wine coolers. Maybe he had a wine cooler, but he was a little bit giddy. Uh, he had to actually make an extra pit stop to go to the bathroom is what he wrote down here. Um, but I think he also made a, a big error uh, pitting under green and deciding that he needed to fix 30 seconds of damage while pitting under green and then obviously lose laps because of it. So, yeah, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that would have made that big a difference. That's a lot of time to sit in pit road under green. Okay, and uh, Kyle, tell us uh, how you ran iRacing iRock. Uh, actually, tonight is the Atlanta Motor Speedway race. Uh, 
unfortunately it's not a new atlanta so don't get a feel for that just yet so uh we will be live on uh tlm tv on facebook and they post to youtube uh just hours after the race is over so if you can't catch it live catch it there on youtube all right and i hope to run the uh man cave after dark truck series here uh room opens in 20 minutes and it's trucks at martinsville so we'll see how that goes all right let's jump to final thoughts brian mccubbin well um we're going to be doing a, a charity race tomorrow night uh day two in a six hour uh race in the gt3s we're going to be running lambo i'll let dave go into that a little bit because he's that's a new car for him but um so uh that's going to be tomorrow um yeah, as far as iRacing goes, um, it's kind of so weird. Like, it's been around since 2008, and like the past two weeks, they've acquired two companies, and they've never done that before in their entire history. So, it seems like some big things are happening with iRacing. It's it's definitely uh, it's definitely uh, has some pull and some muscle now that it that it may never have had before even before iRacing when they were Papyrus. So it's it's good to see that they've really uh, dug their heels in, it seems like, and uh, are ready to you know really keep this thing around for quite a while. Yeah, and when we were talking about this this week, Greg was asking, you know, how did they afford this? You know, was it because of the Corona bump, you know, how, when iRacing blew up when Corona came? Or I speculated maybe John Henry's writing checks again. Um, but regardless of where it's funded from, it's it's really good news. It really is. Kyle Pendigraph, final thoughts. Um, my final thought wants to be uh, actually I want to give another shout out to Sim Coaches uh, and especially to Lawrence, the owner. Uh, I got my pedals in this week, and of course I was all excited to get them set up. And there's a whole different world with these, with the software that just came out with these a couple months ago. Um, so he sat down for 30 minutes or so and just walked me through it and just helped me get it all tweaked and tuned the way that, you know, was comfortable, or at least to get a good idea of how to tweak it and tune it to where it was comfortable. And this, these pedals are amazing. Like I didn't expect to be as amazed as I am by these pedals. Um, I've had Fanatec, uh, the, club sport v3s and they've been good pedals i haven't really had any complaints out of them but to step up to the hydraulics was just a major difference and it's made a big difference just on the track as well and my comfort level of getting into a corner and be able to hit the brakes a little bit later than i normally would and you know get the car set so it's it's amazing um i can't go into detail right now um but with sim coaches there are some new things that's down, coming down the pipe uh some big improvements to the pedals so uh if i was you i would get on the get on the ball and get these pedals as fast as you can because when these come when this update and everything comes out you'll be highly amazed okay very good david hall final thought well i definitely love my sim coach pedals too and uh, all i can say is first yeah they they're the the they're they're quite amazing uh yeah, I bought the Lambo just a couple of weeks ago, I guess, because Brian asked asked me to go ahead and help out with this uh, charity race. We're running with a listener. Uh, got it all set up. To we've already, I've already practiced in it a few times, and it's actually a pretty comfortable car. It gets what I like about it. I ran it a few times at Watkins Glen. It gets over the curbs in a, a similar way to the Ferrari did, which is why, why I always enjoyed the Ferrari because I could really have used the curbs. Um, but it's 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 drivable. It does. It's not as tail happy as the Audi is. So uh, look, looking forward to running that race tomorrow. Uh, and then we 
are getting things set for the 24. Been practicing uh, in the LMP2 quite a bit this week as well. So speaking of first, I was thinking all the times you've been first, David, with hardware, you were the first with SimLab. Um, you were the first with the, the pedals. You were the first with the DD1. You were the first with the Rift. I don't think he was the first for the Rift. Oh, there's Greg. You show up for the final thought. Okay, so... What what model is your Rift? Actually, you know, you had the other Rift, didn't you? I yeah, thought, I, I, thought, I want to say Tony had a Rift first, didn't he? It doesn't really matter. Okay, so Greg, heck this, final thought. Uh, sorry I couldn't be on the show tonight, guys. I had a, something I had to fix before uh, the, the hardware store closed. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. I, I don't know. Um, not going to go too much into detail, but I have spent some money this week. It's upwards of where around where Brian spends his types of money, so <laughs> I, I'm in his category now. All right, so we'll save that thunder for another week. Uh, but yeah, you got quite a setup coming. Yeah, I'm about said ten to fifteen business days because they're behind after New Year's. All right, we'll save that for another week. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, wow. You know, the iRacing the console has always been a nightmare for some people. Maybe it's a dream for others. That's not what's happening here. Like I said, I think they're, they're grooming uh, their future customers. You know, if there's no feeder system, then, you know, how are they going get to that, get that? So I think this is a really good thing that they're buying these companies. I think, you know, it helps the industry, you know, the, the sim racing industry overall, because we know that they're going to provide a quality product, um, you know, th that they're not going to let these other companies who represent them put out something subpar. And so I feel good about it. You know, it's a good thing. I don't care who's writing the check, if it's John Henry or if it's just iRacing has their own money, you know, based on uh, membership growth. You know, so, but uh, it's a good thing and I'm happy to see it. So looking forward to the next step. And uh, boy, can we get the 670 horsepower car Tuesday? Can't wait. I need to get some practice in and get ready for the season. So with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.